Hello, my friend, and welcome to Cancer Can Give. In this special series of the Simplify Cancer podcast, we share inspirational stories of people who went on a grueling journey through cancer and yet they found their own way to live, grow, and give in a way that helps others. Now, my name is Joe Pekmutsky. I'm a testicular cancer survivor. I'm a life coach. I'm a proud author of Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty, a guide to thriving in the challenging world of today. And today it is my absolute pleasure to introduce to you Heather Hawkins, ovarian cancer survivor. She's a health advocate, she's the most adventurous spirit you could ever meet. She's just a beautiful person who just does so much good out in the world, advocated for, for health, for hope and living beyond your comfort zone. So let's talk to Heather. You know, Heather, I have a bit of a thing for a first sentence in a book. And in your book, the first sentence is, sometimes our paths in life take us in completely unexpected directions. And it's certainly true, right? It is. Right? For for yourself as well. And, um, and I think, you know, when cancer kind of um, makes an entrance... <laughs> into your life and and for you Heather right uh, a decade ago your life's really taken this kind of really unexpected turn right tell us how did all of that play out yes well it's um my goodness it's it was 2006 December 2006 and uh I was a busy working mom had a 14 year old daughter and 11 year old son and life just, I guess, is so full with with uh, with school, you know, after school activities, dropping kids off, working hard at the office. And I did start to notice this fatigue creeping in, and uh, and then also a little bit of abdominal bloating. And I was forty one at that stage, and I remember thinking, "Gee, this is probably either menopause creeping in, or I'm overdoing things, or um, maybe it's middle age yeah, spread that I, I need to get a little bit more fit, a bit more active. Uh, but then throughout that Christmas time of December 2006 and then going into 2007, there were some more symptoms that then started to occur. So I was um, off to the toilet more often than not with frequency, with urination. Um, I'd eat small amounts and start to feel really full quickly. Uh, and my abdominal bloating just continued to grow. Uh, and and it also continued, you know, like I guess at every yeah, for every woman at, at that particular time of month, you do get bloating, tiredness. But when it, it persisted between periods, that's when that intuition kicks in and you think, this is not right. This is not normally how my body operates. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and so I thought, well, you know what, I need to go and have a chat with my GP. And I'm so glad, you know, we have a great relationship with our GP that I could feel confident to go and talk with him. I didn't feel embarrassed and I knew that he would take me seriously, just talking about, I guess, a raft of very general symptoms but um, but then he would yeah take me seriously and also seek to find answers and and um, have that investigated. So that was really the the beginning of of my yeah, that I guess this massive shift in my life, going from a completely I guess normal world to suddenly hearing those two words yeah in the same sentence as my name, those two words of ovarian cancer. 
Yeah, wow. And so many, so many interesting things you said, Heather, I want to pick up on. You talked about watching out and listening to your body, right? Things that you knew kind of were kind of not right and you picked up on those patterns. And then it, it is about having that, that uh, courage to speak to your uh to your treating doctor and to bring those things up and to get those things looked into. It's so vital, isn't it? It certainly is. And it's it's about, you know, understanding that this is not how my body normally operates and to sit down with your doctor and to go through all those things that you're concerned about. And I found it really helpful. I, I wrote out a list so I could go in there and you know that, you know, you're so emotional at that time. If you can yeah, refer back to your list, you know you're not missing out on things that perhaps are going to be really important with, you know, helpful with your diagnosis. And um, and so talking that through, he said, yes, that, that does sound serious. I'm going to send you straight off to have a CT scan. And so I was fortunate enough to get into the radiology clinic that afternoon uh, and had that CT scan. And I found that really quite confronting that I was taking off my normal clothes and putting on that white hospital gown, suddenly transforming from this normal life into being vulnerable and raw and just thinking, wow, I did not expect to be here. Um, and just so anxious, I guess, what that scan was going to reveal. Uh, so, yeah, a massive shift and then I guess getting the results that afternoon back in the doctor's surgery uh, and and hearing him say those words, then thinking, wow, well, where does this lead to? Yeah, what What is the prognosis here? How are we going to manage this? <laughs> All those questions, as you know, just come racing up inside, don't they? <laughs> Absolutely, Heather. And I'm, I'm so uh, also touched by what you brought up as this you know, um, transition into a different life. It's it, you're ex exactly right. You put on this gown, and it's like you, your pathway into a totally different kind of universe, where all of a sudden you have to learn this new language, and and and, and you, you, you everything that you know changes. And I also want to touch touch on uh, you know the fact that you said uh, you, you went in prepared. You you made a list of questions because you knew that yeah it's it's a crazy time and you're likely to get uh, emotional. I think that's such a great tip as well, right? For whenever you go into the unknown and whether that, that's been of course around cancer, been just health in general is to go in with the list of questions so that you don't forget in the heat of a moment, which is so easy to do, right? It is. It's very easy to do. And even also to take someone with you, you know, your loved one or a friend, and that they're able to ask those questions, perhaps that you forget or, yeah, and maybe if you get really emotional and find it very difficult to ask those questions, they can step in and help as well. Uh, because it is, there's just so much, I guess, to sift through, to digest, isn't there? And I also find, you know, perhaps writing notes from from that consultation as well, because I know with the, you know, perhaps my first um, meeting that I had with my um, gynecological surgeon uh, that I was referred to after that initial um, consultation with my GP, you come away and your head is spinning because you're thinking, okay, this now means surgery. Uh, yeah, how extensive would that surgery be? Yes, what day are we booked in? And being able just to write down all those things. Um, and I love having like a plan in place when when things are, I guess, uncertain, uh, you're not quite sure how they're going to play out. 
If you know that you've got a plan in place, a structure, that just helps you cope emotionally so much better, doesn't it? Exactly, because you got something to fall back on. And, and it's so true that you say about like not forgetting the little things, because I know I remember speaking to um, my urologist and, and we were talking just about the same, the very same thing about forgetting or just missing a, a little detail. And you told me about a study, which oh, I don't have the details for, but apparently there were studies done around, and I believe it's uh, not to be quoted here, but it was something like that we forget uh, about 80% of what we hear on that first visit to, you know, a specialist treating you for cancer because you're just in that kind of you're frazzled and you're in that state of mind so it's so vital as you say to take someone with you to take notes uh so that you have something to fall back on because it's 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 just such a difficult time isn't it it really is because you're you've just been taken off your, your day-to-day pathway into some new <laughs> pathway and that it, it is a very confronting time. And I think if you can surround yourself with that support, some real clarity, uh, because I know our, when our imagination gets the better of us, that's when we become so anxious, don't we, and overthink things and think worst-case scenario at times. But if we're able to, to get that clear uh, explanation and that knowledge and understanding of what, what the treatment is going to be, what surgery will entail, that will help us uh, cope so much better. And also that you don't feel alone, do you, if you've got somebody with you in those consultations uh, and also in the lead up to surgery. I just remember being so grateful that my family came in on that morning of surgery to have them there, um, yeah, that I could give them you know, that last little hug and uh, and then be wheeled off to surgery. That, that just meant so much, gave me a lot of strength uh, to face that because that is a big day, isn't it, when you, you're heading off to surgery. You're relieved that the day's here, aren't you? But you're also just quite worried about what the surgery is going to reveal. I remember Beautiful. just feeling very torn between those two things. <laughs> Absolutely, Heather. But it's, it's so beautifully put in the sense that, yeah, you, you want that little bit of normality and it's that waiting. I find... One of the most challenging things for me was that constant waiting. You know, you're 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 waiting to be called up. Uh, you know, to the oncologist, you're waiting, or you're waiting to be called up to to your specialist. So you you're kind of in between things, and that's when you want someone with you. Then you can talk about something other than cancer. <laughs> you know, you can talk about uh, your just normal everyday life. So. You know, Heather, when it comes to those difficult moments, because we all have them, right? I want to check in with you. Like, what was when when we look at your at your cancer journey and you think back on that? What was the most difficult or one of the most difficult moments for you? I probably have about four difficult moments. I guess <laughs> hearing <laughs> hearing that initial diagnosis is that is tough stuff. Uh, and digesting that. But the second hardest thing, I think, was telling my parents uh, and also telling our children that evening, uh, trying to find the right words to say, trying to keep it together and not cry too much, knowing that that would really upset my parents and my children. And also wanting to to share in very practical terms about my diagnosis um, and what the plan was, so that they could hold some 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 positive things to take away from that phone call or that that sit down time with the family. 
Um, the other time was as I was recovering, and I guess I would be going for my checkups quite regularly, going into the waiting room and sitting with other women and chatting with them and hearing their stories, and most of them had ovarian cancer as well. Um, and and it would really affect me deeply because mine mine was found stage one. I was just incredibly fortunate that it was found in time before it had spread and surgery was 100% successful. Uh, and a lot of these other women, sadly, were undergoing you know, a, several rounds of chemotherapy. They were going back for more surgery. Uh, their prognosis was not looking great. And I would come away just so devastated, really, really upset. Yeah, I guess trying to battle with survivor guilt, but thinking, what else can I do? I, I felt quite helpless. Um, and that certainly has been a very big motivating factor in what I, I do as a, an advocate um, these days. So, yeah, that that was quite confronting. Um, and I do find that yeah, each year now I, when I go back and I have my results uh, read, read out to me, you still find yourself transported back to that very first time, don't you? You're sitting on the edge of your seat just waiting to hear the news and hoping that it is all going to be good still because you're, I guess for me, I don't want to be transported back there. I want to keep growing and being well and healthy and trusting my body and moving forward. I mean, I accept if it does return, then I will face that, but it is still a, a confronting thought. So I guess <laughs> there are probably about, yeah, three or four things that I found the most difficult, yeah, in throughout that journey. Thank you for sharing that, Heather. You know, for me, I also find I have a slightly different perspective on that. I do feel in some weird way, and I don't want this to, to come off strange, but I do feel that reconnecting with, with those early days of, you know, being diagnosed. Um, for me also, the time when I knew that my cancer's come back, um, for me, in a, uh, in a strange way, it's an important reminder of what life is today. And I, I'm not talking about, you know, having a <laughs> perfect life or anything like that. But I know that just how close we come, whatever stage or phase you're at, but, you know, We've lived it. We, we stood or some of us stand on the edge and you're looking down into the abyss. And one of the things that you realize that uh, for me, I think it's, the, it's that we only have this moment today to live our life, to, to be at our best, to give what it is that can, we can to move forward. And that's one, one of the reasons why I really asked you about the most difficult moments. And thank you for sharing that. Isn't to dwell on it and... <laughs> And, and uh, but I, I feel like also those times, they often push us towards you know an, an important change in our lives, right? An important change where you you know you go towards exploring things that you might not have done before. So what was that like for you? Because you had those changes that kind of you know made you made made you realize certain things about yourself and where you wanted to go. Yes, because I've come to realise that often those low points in our lives are our turning points and that they can be where a big shift occurs, whether it's it's in our way of thinking, perhaps it's a 
our understanding of life or our goals and dreams. Um, perhaps we need to get a bit fitter, which was definitely the case for me. <laughs> uh, and one of the biggest shifts for me was being grateful for my, I felt that it was my second chance at life and I was going to make the most of it. And my oncologist said to me, Heather, what will, one of the things that will really help you with your recovery is perhaps to do a little bit of exercise. And so I thought, okay, I, I can do that. I can uh, go for gentle walks and things. And then I decided to sign up and become a volunteer surf lifesaver. My family were really involved. And facing my, I, I guess I did have kind of a fear of swimming out beyond the waves and realising that's what I had to do if I was to pass successfully. <laughs> and suddenly I had those experiences of being out beyond my comfort zone but finding that I was okay that I, <laughs> I could cope okay and learning to trust my body and get active and fit and the joy that that brought and sharing it with other people as well. That really opened up my eyes to physicality again and that gave me the confidence to sign up for that four-kilometre fun run that has just set me off on this whole new world of <laughs> running. <Yay. laughs> Yeah, that's and beautiful, and, and so that's and that's taking you to to beautiful places, you know, doing these incredible what ultra marathons in these beautiful and remote parts of the world. Heather, it's it's just how did you get there? Because you get, had the fun run, and then how how did that you transition to towards yeah the the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a wonderful journey because I thought 4K, oh my goodness, how do you run 4K? That is that's a long way. <laughs> and I had two and a half weeks to train and I roped in my two children to run at the local park. Didn't even own proper running gear. I just had an old pair of runners and my gardening shorts to put on. <laughs> but like with everything in life, if you start, you you make that decision and you put yourself out there. And I had a go at running 4Ks in one go. I wasn't very successful that afternoon at the park. Uh, <laughs> I felt pretty overwhelmed. Uh, I made a good excuse as soon as I saw a, a water bubbler to stop and drink. <laughs> <laughs> but I went back to the park that next day and the next day. And when that four-kilometre race turned up on that Mother's Day, I got out there and I ran and I loved it. So from there, I signed up for, uh, there's a fantastic event called the City to Surf, which is a 14-kilometre run. Uh, and that was in August, uh, which was about three months after that 4K run. And then from there, I signed up for a half marathon. So it's like these steps that I'm taking, you know, to 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 uh, sign up to an event that's slightly longer uh, and it will give me time to train up so that I can stand on that start line feeling fairly confident and not too nervous about taking that distance on. <laughs> and so then I ran a marathon the next year. That was in 2013. And it was actually at the start of the Melbourne Marathon. I was catching up with a friend in 2014 and he just happened to mention uh, about marathons run on ice. And he said, have you heard about these? They are so crazy and what do you reckon <laughs> about doing those? And I, so I thought, I've got to look that up. So I spent the whole Melbourne, Melbourne Marathon running along thinking about ice and penguins and running 42Ks and how exciting that would be. <laughs> um, anyway, that was the one in Antarctica which wasn't available, but I found out about the North Pole Marathon 
which was being run in April 2015. And I was turning 50 at that stage and it was also our 25th wedding anniversary and we decided that we would go to Paris. We had always wanted to go to Paris to celebrate. So it all tied in perfectly. We'd be over in Europe. We could catch the plane up to Svalbard and meet the other race competitors, all 44 of us. And then from there, hop on our very old Antonov aircrafts to fly up to the ice flow at the geographic North Pole. And every year there is a temporary research expedition base set up and it lasts for six weeks. So people arrive at the pole to, you know, to trek, to run, to research. And so there we all were, 44 competitors from all over the world, uh, all completely decked out in our thermal gear <laughs> <laughs> and our running shoes and uh, ready to run um, 12 laps around this research base. Uh, so that was a total of 42 Ks. It started out, it was a quite quite mild conditions, minus 26 and uh, clear skies. The sun was trekking around the horizon as it does at that time of year, which is just so beautiful to watch. And there are strategically placed um, armed snipers just in case a polar bear wanders across the course that they could just, oh, just wow. get them away. It <laughs> <laughs> definitely encourages you to run fast. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, you set off, the starter gun goes and away you go. And uh, I just remember thinking, wow, my goodness, I've just turned 50 and here I am, I'm having an adventure and I'm going to celebrate life. And each lap I had dedicated to uh, to somebody in my life, whether it was other women with ovarian cancer, to my family, yeah, to, to different different people. And that gave me, you know, just such wonderful inspiration and courage to keep going and the conditions changed it dropped to minus 41 the wind picked up it was bitterly cold but I persevered and I, I kept going and I, I felt strong and I all those things I think you learn from going through an experience like having cancer you build that courage and that resilience up and you keep on going and uh it it was fantastic. It took me a long time to run, a lot more than a normal marathon, but I did it in seven hours, 53 minutes, and crossed the finish line in first place female, which was a wonderful surprise <laughs> uh, and a great celebration. <laughs> That's so powerful, Hannah. Mm -hmm. I love hearing that. And and I know this was obviously some time ago, they've done so many wonderful things, but so congrats to doing that and, and getting the courage and making a decision to do that. And it's, I, I think you find it so inspiring is that idea of taking the first step because what I'm hearing you say is, you know, it's making a decision to try something out. And it started with that early time, just wanted to, to, to get that first, that first run was, was, I think it was four, four kilometers starting with one thing and then kind of building onto it and then seeing where life, takes you isn't it it is this is it because in the process you grow and and I did hear someone once make a quote that there's no such thing as failure but it's learning and and what may be a difficult experience that you go through and perhaps you're doubting yourself and you maybe you think well I haven't done a very good job or I'm not up to to scratch or I don't measure up but no, put those doubts aside and give something a go. And then you can you can adapt. If that doesn't work out or if you don't feel great, then adapt and you've learnt through that situation. 
and you can always be moving forward and, and learning and feel feel that you yeah you're on a journey throughout life that you're not not just feeling that you're staying in the one place and that you're just embracing the things that 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 happen um and and then just wanting to give back and and make a difference in this world and and that's another thing that i i love with my races that they're a fantastic vehicle not only to raise awareness but funds to help with cancer research and cancer support services that for me has just been this beautiful way of giving back and a new way of finding fulfillment in life uh, all, yeah, all that's sort of kind of unfolded over these last few years. Yeah, that really means a lot to me. That is so beautiful, Heather. And I love hearing that and, and your incredible work you're doing on several fronts as, as a health advocate. So tell me, what's kind of uh, inspired you to take that first step? How did it come about? And and also, how did it feel to you? Yeah, I I think... I've always grown up, um, I guess, taking on what a lot of my parents' qualities about giving back and being part of the community and carried those through. And I think as I was recovering from cancer and meeting those other women think and thinking, you know what, what difference can I make? And then when I started running, I thought, this is this is a really great platform to be able to raise awareness about the signs and symptoms so that uh, women can learn about that, or men and women, so that they can learn about those signs and symptoms about ovarian cancer, but also what su support services that there are available, that you're not alone, and Ovarian Cancer Australia are fantastic with a lot of the resources they have, their support nurses, their, their um, resilience kit, which is a really comprehensive informative kit that they post out uh, to anyone who who needs uh, a kit like that so that they they can learn really great information um, about their condition um, and it's also um, there's a fantastic program called survivors teaching students where we actually are talking about our personal journey through ovarian cancer and talking to nurses and medical students and so for them to hear hear about these diagnoses from, I guess, a living, breathing person as opposed to a textbook scenario. And it's really quite profound. Um, it's a very emotional experience, but it's it's a way that we can feel that we're we're making a difference and that for future patients who are diagnosed, that perhaps we'll make that diagnosis a lot more easy for them, that they can be diagnosed earlier uh, really, and really help with their, their care as well. So, it's it's um, yeah, just finding those ways that I can give back is yeah that main driver, and just yeah stepping out there and giving things a go. That's how I, I just loved you know to tie in all those different things, um, and also within my book as well, um, yeah, talking quite openly about my my cancer experience, so that uh, that can be yeah a terrific tool as well. And I love hearing that, Heather, because you're such a given person. Even remember, I was I was just struck when at the beginning of our conversation because we, we we did chat on the phone the other day. I remember like we were talking about like what is your day is going to look like, and you said, "Well, I'm I'm going to give a friend lift uh, uh, for her chemo," and and I was like really touched by that because you're you're just like this this um, just shining uh, 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 example of of giving back in whatever way. It is that you can, which I think we all can do, and and it's also not not only about giving back in the sense that you know making a huge difference. Which, by the way, I really love uh, you know hearing about your survivors teaching students because it really 
transcends the 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 learning experience because we really are a, a team, aren't we, with, with with our treating specialist and we all kind of work together. So when they get to hear about lived experience and not only hear, but become immersed in what that's like, because you have a, a beautiful way of talking about your experience um, in your book and, 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 and obviously just sharing that out loud. And, and I think it, it's, it's, it's so vital to connect for our nurses, for uh, our doctors, for our surgeon, for our oncologist, to really understand and, and, and what it feels like. What are the challenges that are facing you as a patient? What sort of things, how does your life transform and the challenges you might be facing as a survivor or a person uh, you know, living with cancer? Because all of that is, is, is just adds a completely different different layer of what you can do and and but it also i think you touched on how you know it makes you feel that you are given back so can you let's dive into that a little bit heather because i know it's it's such a i mean because giving back is vital but i think what is often kind of underrepresented perhaps is how it makes you feel like like as a person who is doing something positive out in the world, in whatever way that is for you. I mean, you're doing these amazing things. Other people, I guess, have different ways, and we all sometimes want to find that and bring that out because the, the one of the people, and I'm not ashamed to say that, I think, is, is the transformative for you because you're doing something that makes you feel like you, know, you belong to something greater. Like, Talk about that. What's it like for you and your world and how it makes you feel? Yeah, that I do. I feel so much more connected by putting myself out there. And it can be, you know, on as, on that one-to-one level, as you were saying, um, yeah, I went to pick up my friend from chemo and I always make sure that I'm available on a Monday afternoon so that I can be there and that we can go for a walk and have a coffee and talk about completely normal things. <laughs> but being there as a support um, and I get so much back from that as well, that that I feel that I'm I'm helping her through this really tough time. And it's also, you know, if you're feeling that you're able to change the landscape and change that conversation that's happening and help with the education of, of younger women. And I'm also part of a couple of Facebook groups so that we're able to share um, amongst uh, ourselves just so openly. Um, and it's that sense of never being alone that no matter what we're going through, that we can connect with each other, that someone will always be there to support, whether it's a little word or a very long conversation or many long conversations that go on. And I think it's so important for us to all yeah, play a role um, and see what we can do. Like, you know, take a step back going, okay, what, what is the, the thing that I can do to, to help bring change here? And if we can come up with ideas and step out there and make, make a difference, and then what we get back is just so, so amazing, isn't it? It just, it, it's interesting because we don't go in wanting to think what I can get out of it, but boy, you get so much fulfillment um, and purpose. Like it's brought so much purpose into my life, um, being able to not only be an advocate, but to, you know, to be be out there perhaps at different speaking engagements, raising raising that awareness knowing that I can keep being a voice, that uh, I can speak for those women who have sadly you know, passed away um, from ovarian cancer, that I can be their voice to continue on and, and make that difference in that space. 
So it's it's just so many things that are that are wrapped up within that motivation, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, yeah, Heather. yeah. And, and it definitely and, and, keeps keeps me going. You know, when I'm doing events like uh, in the in the Sahara Desert, I was running the Marathon de Sabla, which is a a long distance race. It's 250 kilometers in seven days out oh there in the, the desert. Um, <laughs> And there are times, you know, you can imagine with those types of races, not everything goes to plan. And there are moments where you just think, oh, you know, my blisters or I'm just feeling so hot and tired. I just want to perhaps curl up under <laughs> under a rock if I can find one. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> But it's those those times where you really do, um, yeah, look look within and find that comfort and that purpose and that drive, and you think about those those people that you're doing it for, and and that spurs you on. You get back up again, and you you finish <laughs> finish that race, and uh, and know that yeah, you've made a difference. So it is all those things just tied up, isn't it, in a big bundle in our our lives that uh, that give us that motivation and that joy and that hope. Absolutely. So and. And I also love how you you talk about it, that you describe it in such physical terms because I think it helps us, you know, exercise and movement. Even that in itself is such a huge driver in reconnecting with our sense of being and who we are. Because you're out there, and sometimes you're you're ex you're exposing yourself to these extreme elements, and you know we're all different. So someone not go out and you know ride, uh, go for you know this incredible run in sub-Saharan <laughs> desert. Uh, but, you know, we all have our ways to get in touch with our own bodies and and whether that's through yoga, whether that's through meditation, whether that's through some kind of movement activity that helps us feel more alive. And I think that's that's such a huge part of life, isn't it? That, that after cancer, having feeling more alive, more present, more in the moment, more um, more engaged because it is like you said it's it's another chance at life, isn't it? It is, it is, and it's such a I guess a defining moment where where we suddenly think and look at things with with new eyes, and we realize we want to be as healthy as we possibly can, and we want to engage with as many people as we can, make a difference, trust our bodies again. And I'm I'm all for yeah for yoga and having an ocean swim and a walk. It just helps so much, doesn't it? And you know, a sit under a tree in a park, um, yeah, to 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 go and have a, a trek or you know, look up in at the mountains. All those things just just really fill our soul and fill our cup back up again. And and it's about looking after our, our mental and emotional welfare as well. It's all tied in together, isn't it, with our, our physicality. And to be kind to ourselves. And there will be days where we don't feel as well as others. And to listen to our bodies and perhaps, yeah, just have that shorter walk or just a sit or a write in our diary. But to give ourselves that permission and to be kind to ourselves and uh, and just in, enjoy yeah, taking those that first breath in the morning, isn't it, when we wake up and go, this is a brand new day and I'm grateful to be here and let's see what this day will bring. And I'm so glad that you brought this up, Heather, is like being kind to yourself. Because sometimes when we, we've been through a difficult time, sometimes we're so harsh to ourselves, right? I mean, it's weird, but sometimes we can be so uh, kind to other people that sometimes we forget to be kind to ourselves, right? And Heather, if you're, like, if you're someone, you know, who's maybe been touched their life has been touched by cancer and you know you you want to make a difference in some way 
but you don't really know where to start. Like, what would you suggest to do? What are some of your thoughts around that? Yes, I, I would, um, I guess, make inquiries, whatever cancer it is, whether you've had or a loved one has had, uh, there are a lot of different foundations that are related to those particular cancers. And I would say find out about them and see how you can get involved because there's, there are a lot that need help with fundraising, don't they? Perhaps organising events uh, to, to connect, yeah, be part of support groups, uh, be advocates. Uh, yeah, there's lots of things that you can yeah, get involved with that way. And also, if you wanted to to do uh, your your own fundraising, yeah, sign up for an event, uh, things like that. Yeah, and don't doubt yourself. Think how how can I get involved, and where where can I bring some new new value and um, and and just get connected with other people and see how I can bring change. Because I think we're all wanting to to increase and improve those survival rates, aren't we, for the different cancers that there are. Yeah, because I guess presently for ovarian cancer, it's only 48% of women survive beyond five years that, um, yeah, every day five women are diagnosed here in Australia and sadly three women um, pass away. So if we can somehow be a voice and help to bring change, uh, improve those survival rates, but also improve the quality of those people diagnosed, their quality of life, that, yeah, that will be a wonderful thing to, to get involved with to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. It's so beautiful. Um, and I think it comes back to what we touched on earlier. We talked about that making that first step because you never know where those things are going to lead you and, and they're going to kind of expose you to different things about life and you learn about yourself and you learn about things that are important and they and it, it, and we start to look at and pick up on different opportunities that perhaps were not there before and and it's it just it, it's important it's so important to start somewhere and then see where that takes you isn't it it is it's that first step and it doesn't have to be a big one. This is how I, I guess I look at every, everything that I, I, I guess, have encountered or taken on, that it's that first initial tiny step and not to doubt yourself, but just take that first tiny step if it's an idea that you have and then take another tiny step and another one, another one. And then you find yourself, wow, actually, <laughs> look where I am. <laughs> I, I have yeah, achieved that, that first goal that I had. And then you can set bigger goals from there <laughs> and you can bring people along with you. And, and this is the thing, not, not to doubt yourself or stop yourself from taking that first step and, and just yeah, be, be okay with stepping out of your comfort zone and, and trying something new because you never know where it will take you. And that's, that is one of the beauties of life that, you know, from when you're growing up, you can certainly take a completely different pathway when you're older, that you don't have to stay on the one pathway and, and be doing something that you expect that you will be doing for the rest of your life. You can take other, yeah, other little <laughs> tangents in life, <laughs> head off and do other things. And, and it's, yes, your, your one precious life that you have and to, to make the most of it. And, and yeah, I would just say, don't, don't hold yourself back, but take that first step. Whatever it is that you want to do in life, give it a go. That's beautiful, Heather. And I know that, listen, I know that hope is such a big part of your life. Um, uh, so tell me, what does hope mean to you? Hope for me means that, yeah, I guess 
that there is life beyond today, there is quality of life, that is something that if we can all share hope, then the future looks brighter, doesn't it? And if we can encourage other people in life, that's that's one of another motivating factor with my my running that I, I love to encourage others to to, I guess, to run or to get fit and to show them that yeah, like I'm 57 now, that you can be 57 and still get out there and run ultra marathons. <laughs> that <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, the, the, the future does look good and bright. And, and, and yes, it, it's all about living with that, that positive mindset. I mean, certainly acknowledging that tough things happen, but holding on to that hope within that gets us through those dark times, those difficult and challenging times. Um, yeah, so, yeah, hope definitely is one of those words that I, I remember when I was waking up in um, in recovery after surgery, holding on to hope that everything would be okay, that we would get through this journey and, yes, and that, that, that second chance of life, um, yeah, would lead on and, yes, I would have another day. <laughs> So powerful, Heather. <laughs> Tell me, Heather, if somebody wanted to find out more about your book and about everything that you do, your, your adventurous spirit, tell us, uh, what would they do to find out more? Yeah, so I'm on socials, uh, Heather Adventurous Spirit on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, and also my book is available. Uh, all the hard copies have sold out, uh, but... I have recorded it with Audible Books, so it's available as an Audible book uh, with audible.com, and it's also available as an e-book for Kindle or for other devices um, on Amazon and Booktopia and Book Depository. So you can uh, find find it as a yeah electronic version. And I'm so excited to be able to share a copy with one of your listeners. Um, yeah, that I was able to send to you, Joe, and I'm, that um, yeah that means the world. Yeah, fantastic. And thank you so much for doing that. So I'll be putting that out on social media and uh, anyone of our listeners can write in for their chance to get uh, Heather Hawkins' book, Adventurous Spirit, get, to get your copy um, or go out and buy it or send me an email at joe at Simplify Cancer for your chance to get a hard copy uh, of Heather's beautiful book with a handwritten inscription. Heather, thank you so much for being here. And I want to also thank you not only for your time and, and your, your, your insight, but also I want to deeply thank you for the work that you do out in the world. Thank you so much, Heather. Uh, thank you so much, Joe, for the opportunity to share. And thank you for all that you're doing as well. You're making a massive difference and it's so appreciated. Thank you. Hey, my friend, it's Joe Bakmotsky. Thank you so much for being here. I just want to jump in here real quick to let you know about this great new tool that I built for you. It's called Cancer Can Give, and it's a video course that is designed to help you live a happier, more fulfilled, and more purposeful life beyond cancer. It's something that I wish I had, and I hope it will serve you in making the difference that you want to make in a way that is significant to you after everything that you have been through with cancer. Now, this is available absolutely free of charge for you. Just go to simplifycancer.com and click on the Cancer Can Give link to find out more. 
absolutely free my friend just helping you to move forward and thank you so much for being here i want to remind you before we go that after everything that you have been through with cancer my friend you deserve the world and you have the power to be happy to seek greater clarity in everything that you do to show up at your best every single day so that you know and you prove to yourself that you are enough and to hold on to that hope that no matter what happens and how crazy things get that things can and do change for the better thank you for being here my friend speak soon